the objective is not to to win. There is no winning. <laughs> and I think for athletes, it's really interesting because their initial response or kind of instinct with yoga is to push. And we have to talk a lot about undoing that and making it about what feels peaceful in their body. So thanks for checking out Guys Talking Yoga. This podcast is focused on getting more men into yoga by raising awareness for its many benefits through interviews with other guys. And while these conversations are principally with guys and their path to yoga, I know many women have helped men start, sustain, and succeed with their yoga practice. As such, I have a very special guest today. Chelsea Duke has been doing yoga for over 20 years and a teacher for more than 12. And for the last eight years, she's been working with the athletic department at the University of Oregon, teaching a sports-specific mobility and injury prevention style of yoga to help both the men's and women's teams succeed in their athletic endeavors and cultivating their mind-body connection for overall well-being. In today's conversation, Chelsea and I get into using yoga to improve joint mobility, the benefits of using props like bolsters, blocks, belts, and walls, yoga as a tool for injury prevention and rehabilitation, and just finding that edge through self-awareness and full body movement. And for this week's podcast, we're offering a bonus episode that you'll want to check out. This is a great intro to one of the types or aspects of restorative yoga, the body scan. Anyhow, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So Chelsea Duke, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So your name came up talking with a good friend of mine who's a MD out in Oregon. And when I was explaining, I was working on this podcast, he had mentioned your name as being someone who's quite familiar working with many athletes, including a lot of men. So I thought it'd be super cool to have you on this show to give your perspective on working with men, teaching men, observing how men engage with the practice. And I think it'd be great to get your perspective. So if you don't mind first teeing up a little bit, your background with yoga, and then tell us a little bit about how you work with all these great athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy to talk about this because I don't think it's a topic that is covered nearly enough. So I think what you're doing is incredible and really innovative and exciting. Right on. So happy to be here. So yeah, I have been practicing yoga for over 20 years, but teaching consistently for, gosh, maybe 12 or 13. I've owned a studio for 10 years. And then for the last eight years, I have worked with the athletic department at the University of Oregon, teaching sport-specific mobility, injury prevention, and restorative yoga, kind of recovery based yoga for the athletes at Oregon. So I have experience in both the traditional studio yoga world and this athletically focused niche of predominantly male athletes that I've gotten to work with over the years. And it's been a really interesting process because it is a demographic of people who maybe wouldn't normally be interested in yoga or exposed to yoga. They're not doing it because they love the practice per se. They're doing it because they need the benefit of both the body and the mind, what happens when you're practicing. And it's sort of something that is offered to them as a way to support their athletic endeavors. So it's an interesting kind of different take as a teacher to be exposing these guys to the practice. 
I bet. So if you don't mind, how did you get synced up with athletes at U of O? I mean, obviously U of O, one of the top D1 programs out there in many sports. How did that all happen? Yeah. Well, they are really at the top of the collegiate game. And they also are a very forward-thinking, innovative athletic department. So I think this was eight years ago when it was really not common for collegiate athletes and even professional athletes to be doing yoga regularly or consistently. And I think this program is always looking to be sort of forward thinking and innovative. So I had some coaches from the track team coming to my studio and they started coming for their own benefit. Actually, one of the male coaches was a former collegiate runner, I believe at Stanford. And he was having some major lower back issues from years and years of distance running without a lot of support in other types of mobility and injury prevention, because back in those days, that wasn't common. So he was coming in, his wife was also a coach, she was coming in, and then they started bringing their injured athletes in to my studio classes. I used to live in Bend, Oregon, which is kind of a higher altitude area. So there were quite a few professional athletes that trained there, a lot of cyclists, skiers, uh, ultra marathoners. So I sort of had this niche kind of athletic demographic in my classes as I was just becoming a teacher and kind of learned from them how to do sort of more of a recovery-based mobility, supportive to other sports-focused practice. So they kind of came in because of that and then started bringing some of their athletes in and then saw the benefit of it, not only as treating their injured athletes, but as preventing potential injury with immobility and improper recovery. So they started kind of thinking about bringing me in to support and help everyone before they got injured. So that's how I started. It was with the track team. Like I said, I think it was eight years ago, eight seasons ago. And it happened to be the year that both the men and the women won the NCAAs. Oh, wow. So Oregon has one of, if not the best track teams in the country. They're phenomenal. So it's sort of naturally, they were sort of asked what they were doing a little bit differently this season, how they had success. And yoga was one of the things that they had sort of switched up. It's sort of interesting to hear that they came to the yoga studio not to sort of have a alternative fitness experience or prepare to avoid injury, but they actually were coming in with injuries. So what do you think about yoga before we go a little further? What makes yoga great at actually helping recover from injuries? Well, I think the body awareness component, the mindfulness aspect of it, regardless of what style practice you're doing can be really, really beneficial as far as recovering from an injury, understanding what your body needs and sort of being able to listen to that subtle edge. It requires a lot more kind of intentional um, sitting with your body and listening to the feedback you're getting as you move versus kind of more of that push mentality that I think a lot of athletes have. I think a lot of people in general and not to specify toward men, but probably a lot of men in general, when they're moving through different types of activity, whether it's lifting weights or running. Just do it, right? Just do it, right. And the harder you go and the faster you go and the harder you push, the better. Yep. And yep. oftentimes that leads to injury. So being able to slow down and listen kind of more intuitively to what your body's going through and really being able to pick those subtle cues up can help you to understand what you need to be injury-free and to help heal. 
And then also, I think going into whatever athletic endeavor, whatever type of exercise you were doing after having that kind of sense of connection to your body helps to prevent future injury as well. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, having a lower leg issue with a kind of a chronic Achilles injury and then having some really bad ankles from playing hockey and then oh, going yeah. to play lacrosse in the spring on wet slanted grass fields back in the late 80s, early 90s. So with ankles and feet, one of the things I realized is that you can do a lot of, you know, uh, physical therapy stuff with bands and that kind of thing. But I find that moving in and out of different postures in yoga with the whole body kind of brings that intelligence back to the weak joints in your leg, really any part of your body, but especially I find my ankles and feet and knees. It's not just the PT exercises, it's actually doing yoga with that stuff that really helps find that edge, kind of have a more subtle awareness. And I think that stuff really knits together the whole kind of chain of movement around that injured spot. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an area of the body. It's so interesting. We don't give it much thought unless there's something wrong. I mean, we're not training our ankles or our feet really ever. And that's an area of the body in every different sport, whether it's basketball, football, golf, baseball, and it's probably their least favorite area of the body to work on, but I insist on it in every different sport because the chain of response from your feet and ankles up impacts what happens to your knees if you're hit or what happens to your hips if you do some sort of dynamic lateral movement and your ankles are locked up. But again, it's a part of the body that we don't think about unless something happens or something's wrong. So right, right. to your point, it really is beneficial to kind of have that deeper understanding that everything's connected, everything relates to each other, and there are ways to support balance, stability, mobility that ultimately are going to help with performance and help you understand how your body functions on a better level. Yep, yep, absolutely. So going back to U of O athletics, your first introduction was to the track team on rehabilitating injuries and preventing injuries. And then you had, since then, a much broader relationship with lots of different athletes and teams. So what teams are you currently work with or have worked with at the U of O? Yeah, absolutely. I've worked with almost every team that we have. So uh, football, baseball, men's and women's basketball, volleyball and beach volleyball, track, uh, golf, men's and women's golf, tennis, uh, lacrosse. <laughs> we only have a women's lacrosse team here. And gosh, who else am I forgetting? That might be everyone. Almost everyone. Almost everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a couple of questions off of that. The first one is in general, and let's just look at the men's team right now or the men's programs. Which teams tend to be the quickest in adapting and bringing the buy-in of yoga, doing it, and also incorporating yoga? And which teams tend to have the greatest, let's say, impact or transformation in how they perform because of yoga? Maybe it's the same team. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, and this speaks to it being less about the sport specifically and more about the athlete or the person's interpretation of the practice. Because over the years, I would say the teams that buy in most or are most interested in the practice and the ones who benefit from it, it kind of changes throughout season by season. And a lot of it has to do with the individual athletes. So men's basketball, for example, 
is the team I'm working with right now. You know, we're still kind of preseason and they are really, really into it this season. They're really dedicated. They're really focused. They are completely dialed in. They're even doing extra sessions. Some of the athletes are coming to my studio and doing like an extra class in addition to what we do as a team per week because they really, really feel the benefit of it. And that's a sport where it's pretty uncomfortable. I mean, the mobility and the recovery, we do a lot of ankle stuff, a lot of hip stuff. Sometimes they can't even sit on the ground. So it's not that it's easy for them, but they are really understanding not only the physical benefit, but really the mental benefit of it. They can't sit kind of in cross-legged just on the ground? No, most of them can't. Because of the lower backs or because of their lower legs? Well, they've had countless ankle sprains, probably most of them. Hip mobility is a big reason. Some of them have some knee issues and I wouldn't say it's so much lower back. It's predominantly hip and ankle. Mm-hmm. for most of the teams that I work with. That seems to be the biggest spot. So I totally hear you. And we'll get to that individual experience in a second. And it sounds yeah. like depending on those individuals within a given team, the team starts to embrace this stuff a little better. So Absolutely. what's your experience with how yoga on the teams right now has impacted some of those sports programs? Well, I think a lot of them, like we were talking about at the beginning of this, not something that they're necessarily particularly interested in or seeking out, right? They're doing it because their coaches are telling them that it's required or they need to show up. Right. You've got to do this. And so maybe they're not quite aware of the benefits or understanding. And to be perfectly honest, there definitely are athletes that are not open, at least at the beginning, to a yoga practice. And they think it's stupid and they don't see the point and it's slow and kind of boring and they would rather be in the weight room. But I will say pretty quickly, almost everyone, I mean, maybe over eight years, there have been a couple exceptions of guys that just never really got into it. But I would say almost immediately after the first couple of sessions, they're understanding and feeling the benefit of truly being restored and not only their body but their mind as well, and feeling a break. So these guys are under a tremendous amount of pressure as an elite, high-level D1 athlete. They're also students. They're also young guys. I mean, 18, 19, you know, 22, 23. Right. So thinking of just the normal pressures of life. So for them to have an experience, and this is my intent with them, is guiding them into something that feels like a huge sigh of relief, not only for their body, but for their mind to be able to offer that to them. And maybe these guys have never felt that before from anything, right? Because they've never been exposed to a mindfulness practice or any meditation or anything that feels truly, truly restorative, where they're totally shut off and able to relax. And pretty immediately, they recognize the benefit in it. And typically, they'll kind of buy in after the first couple sessions because of that. What are the benefits that they're seeing? And the benefits might be very subjective, but from your perspective, when you see these large linemen come in or these tall guys on the basketball team or these wiry small guys on the golf team or track team, what are some of the benefits you think they initially get and then start to really incorporate, not just like you say, with the mind-body connection, but also just in general, how they move? Well, I would say these guys are chronically fatigued, depleted, sore, and overworked. I mean, they just, to practice at this level, I mean, it's hours a day. They're 
training, they're in the weight room, they're playing their sport. So typically their bodies are pretty beat up. So the instant relief of tension and resistance, particularly in the hips, in the hamstrings, in the lower back, I think they feel a near immediate relief from, from those points that they're used to just chronically being tight and sore and really fatigued. So that typically happens really quickly and maybe not in the first session. I think the first couple times, and this is something I would say to your listeners also, the first couple times you do mobility-based yoga, if you're not used to it, if you're a runner or a crossfitter or you do any type of higher impact or higher intensity movement, and you do an hour of mobility work, you're going to be sore and it's going to hurt <laughs> the first few times. Right, right. And it takes time to learn how to approach it from that more subtle kind of restorative, gentle place. And it's not necessarily going to feel easy the first couple of times. But typically, if you're consistent, it happens fairly quickly that you'll get some relief and some openness and some of that sense of kind of restoration within the body. So I would say that is probably the first step for them. And then the mindfulness part of it, I kind of like to introduce on the slower side, just so they have a chance to really understand that this is something that can feel really good for them. So it doesn't have to be approached from like, this is meditation, or this is some exotic seeming yoga focused practice. They feel just from some guidance after an hour, that they're really relaxed. And their body feels good, but their mind feels relaxed. And I think once they start to recognize that that's something that they can achieve from being in a restorative yoga practice. They're more open to guided breath work and visualization and mindfulness practices because they really start to feel the benefit of it pretty quickly. And maybe it's just because I'm getting older, I'm a little wiser in how I want to move and you know, mindful that there's certain things I just shouldn't be doing or at least not doing until I'm warmed up. But one of the benefits that I've experienced in yoga is knowing how hard to go into a certain pose or not, and to also use a block or a wall or some sort of support when you do have an injury or when you aren't in a place where you can really balance in a safe place and sustain that posture for a bit. So I'm curious, when you see guys first coming into yoga, and let's say it's a vinyasa flow class where there's a fair amount of movement or they've got to work on balance. Do you have a lot of these supports in your studio or do you encourage them to learn how to use a wall, a chair, or a block? Because I feel like I've seen a lot of guys want to power through it and then you really see them really wobbling. You think this is where they're going to have injury. This is where they're going to feel um, like they're not doing it right or whatever. And I'm like, go get a block, go get a wall. Absolutely. We use a lot of props in our studio And I don't have access to a lot of props depending on the facility that I'm working in with the athletic department. I mean, we have mats, but we don't have bolsters and blocks and straps available all the time. So we modify if we don't have props. We do use chairs in certain practices, but at the studio, absolutely. And I think for men, I feel like sometimes the approach when they're just starting out in any type of yoga practice and they have maybe a sports background or they're used to lifting weights or running where the objective is to win or to do the most, you have to relearn an approach that is really different than that. The objective is not to to win. There is no winning. (laughs) And I think for athletes, it's really interesting because their initial 
response or kind of instinct with yoga is to push. And we have to talk a lot about undoing that and making it about what feels peaceful in their body and let that be what the objective is. And so my rule is with the athletes, I don't ever want to see you wincing in pain ever. And that's really hard for them not to do. And I think even with men in the studio, it just seems to be sort of the natural approach or the instinct. So it is something that you have to consciously kind of unlearn. And it requires you to be really, really mindful and really connected to your body because the cue of where you should be in a restorative pose or a mobility focused posture, it's really subtle. It's not the maximum of where your body can go. It has to be, I like to say, maybe like 70 or 80% of what you're capable of. And I think the use of props, to your point, in balanced postures or in like a lunge posture, if we can put blocks under the hands and elevate you up a little bit more, men tend to be much tighter in the hips. Mm-hmm. much more immobile in the hips, whether they have an athletic background or not. It's just anatomically the way that you guys are built a lot more restriction in the shoulders because of just muscle density. So using a strap, if you're doing a shoulder opener or using blocks, if you're coming into a hip opener or sitting on a block or a bolster, if you're in a cross-legged position, so you have more space for your ankles, your back, your hips, whatever can be really beneficial. But I do think there is a bit of a stigma of props being a sign of weakness or not showing that you can do the final posture, the full variation. And that's, yeah, I'm really, really adamant about kind of crushing that stigma because they are incredibly helpful. I still use props all the time in my own personal practice. 100%. I feel like if you need a prop and you don't use a prop, you're actually cheating. You're not cheating by using the prop. If you use the prop, you're actually doing the right thing. Absolutely. If someone needs a prop or a wall, Don't cheat yourself. Don't cheat the opportunity to actually work in that place where you have challenge. I had to be reminded several times during my teacher training a few years ago with Allison West in New York. And this probably comes from this habit from high school, like weightlifting. When you're on the bench and you're pushing up the weight, you sort of stop breathing. And so (laughs) Allison would always remind me in the teacher training, keep breathing, like soften the face. You don't have to like stop breathing. And I think a lot of guys who, when they are in an athletic endeavor or training, you sort of forget to keep breathing and you think that's going to help you get through it. And I find in my yoga practice that I try to get to a place where I can breathe easy and still be challenged. Yeah. And for me, that's where I start making more progress. And same thing, hitting a tennis ball. I actually like breathe easier now when I hit a tennis ball and things connect better. Props and the breath work with yoga, probably the two biggest game changers for helping really evolve my practice. Absolutely. Well, I will say, I think the breath needs to be the priority over the body. And that's a really good way of understanding and being able to start listening to that more subtle edge. So in any of my classes, whether it's a studio class that's mixed with men and women or one of the classes with the athletic teams that are male-based, we always start with intention setting and with connection to the breath because that has to be the foundation of the practice. And again, it's something that we're really used to being kind of an afterthought in so many different types of athletics, but it's actually really beneficial for increasing lung capacity I mean, in a restorative practice, it's really helpful for calming your central nervous system and getting you out of that fight or flight state. 
and more into that rest and digest state that's going to help ultimately allow more mobility and openness in your entire body, it makes a huge difference. And that is another thing that I think some of the athletes or the guys kind of think of as like a woo-woo like yeah, yeah. <laughs> practice. And then they really feel the benefit of it. And they're like, oh, this actually really matters. Another cue that I use when I'm teaching men, especially and athletes to learn how to deactivate and soften parts of their body that we're trying to create mobility in that they've maybe only ever felt deep activation and tension in places like hip flexors or right. shoulders and neck, um, IT band, things like that. I love to say, take a really deep breath in and you should be in a variation of the pose where as you exhale, you can feel things softening a little bit more in your body. And if you look for that variation, instead of maybe again, 20% further where you're pushing yourself into a really deep hip opener where you can't take a breath and relax, you're going to benefit more from it. If you can find that more subtle edge, take a breath and then use that exhale to look for those places where you can kind of release a little bit of that tension. Yeah, that's great. So you've mentioned restorative a couple of times and I feel like restorative is probably not far behind breathing as an afterthought, but restorative yoga is sort of the yoga that never gets fully appreciated by both men and women. But I would imagine more men than women are not aware of what restorative yoga is and are even less likely to take advantage of its benefits. So if you wouldn't mind explaining to the listeners, what is restorative yoga and what does that look like in your practice? And What has been restorative yoga's impact with some of these guys? I love restorative yoga. (laughs) So vinyasa is my first love. I do a lot of really strength-based classes in my studio, but I will say, I think the overall benefit of a more restorative, mindful, mobility-focused practice, and I'll talk about kind of what that means in just a second, especially right now in the season of life we're in, male or female, we're all under a tremendous amount of pressure. I think we have a higher level of stress than ever. So having a practice where you can restore your body and your mind and take a break from that kind of high anxiety fight or flight state that we're living in for so much of our life is hugely beneficial in being able to have the capacity to handle everything on a better level. So There are different variations of restorative yoga. There's like yin yoga that's really slow, long-held postures, lots of props. And there's also kind of more restorative. It's a little bit more physically focused, which is typically what I do and what I do with the, the athletes that I work with at Oregon. So we're still moving our body. Typically, we're holding postures longer, like five breaths or more. And the focus is to... I mean, like the title to restore the body and the mind. So it's a lot of connection with breath. It's much more gentle, but you can still find a lot of deep physical benefit from it. So for most of my restorative practices, we have a focus on opening up the hips in a really gentle and progressive way. So we start out with very soft, like reclined postures that just allow us to check in with how things are feeling. And then we'll kind of progress through maybe some seated postures, some tabletop postures, maybe a couple lunges, but really supported with props or with knees on the ground. So we're able to bring our body into a state that feels like a sigh of relief. 
And while we're doing that, we have extra time. So the practice is slow enough that you can really start training your mind to be more focused, more present, less reactive. We can seek out those kind of pockets of peace and ease that are available that if we're in this go, 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 fast paced, pushing state that so many of us, men especially, are living in for so much of their life, we miss those abilities to be able to kind of tap in and slow down and and seek that sense of being more grounded. So a restorative practice is a really good place to do all of that. I also really believe in mobility-based yoga or restorative practice to be a complement or a support to other athletic endeavors. So whether it's a strength-based yoga practice or if you're a runner or lift weights, CrossFit, Orange Theory, anything that's kind of higher intensity, it's really beneficial. And I would say essential if you're wanting to not be injured to supplement some restorative mobility focused yoga to kind of complement those higher intensity activities. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. It makes me think about aspects of restorative yoga. One is I think there's a broad range of different types of yoga within restorative itself. And you just highlighted two of them. One more of resting and super long, you know, relaxing pose versus more of a slower form of vinyasa flow. And so for those listening, I would say if you see a studio with a restorative yoga class, you know, it might range in exactly what it is, but at the end of the day, it's a mellower, more relaxed practice that's going to help you knit together uh, weaker spots, spots that are tired. I know restorative is also great when you're so tired, you can't relax. You need to do something. Restorative is great for letting your kind of wind down a really amped up nervous system. And sometimes when you're fighting a virus, yes, you just don't want to lie down and sleep because you're lying down a lot, but maybe a little easy restorative yoga is good. They kind of help your body and mind learn to let go a little bit so it can recover. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Well, and I think we only have so many hours in the day. So I think a lot of guys in particular, the tendency is to do the most. And this type of practice isn't really prioritized until there's an injury, until something goes wrong and they don't have the ability to move the way that they used to. And then maybe they're a little bit more open to trying something that will support their body. I think that's sort of a little bit your story, right? I mean, yoga was sort of brought to you more after you had been injured, you were more open to it. But I think recognizing that for us to function as our highest performing self, whether it's with athletic movement or just at work as a husband, as a father, as a friend chasing your goals or your dreams to be able to have a chance to feel restful in both your body and your mind allows you to perform at your highest level and everything else. So I think for people who need to kind of justify the time, that's something that you can think about. It will make you more efficient, effective, grounded, focused, productive, and everything else you do if you are really well taken care of. And I think we know that as people, we recognize that, you know, if we're sleep deprived, or if we haven't been eating well, or we're not taking care of ourselves, we don't do anything as well as when we are really well taken care of. And I think this is just one of those things that can be in your toolbox of support for 
your body and your mind so you can continue to to do all the other things that you really care about. And it's been really cool to see an athletic department like Oregon recognize that as something that their athletes truly need to be their best. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're amateur athletes, but it's practically a professional environment. There's a lot of stress to perform, to do well as an individual, as a team, not losing your spot in the starting lineup. And a big part of that is the mental game. You and I were talking about Phil Mickelson, how much he was talking about the mental game with golf. Djokovic with tennis, he's been a longtime advocate about the mental game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just focus, right? But it's also just learning to let go of what happened in the first quarter or in the second period. Yeah. Well, and you think about that at an elite athletic level, it's pretty obvious what the benefits are, but your listeners at work, like I said, at home, anything that you're doing, you want to do your best at it. And I think having the understanding of being able to differentiate your thoughts and your actions, to be able to give yourself space, to be mindful about how you respond to things, how things impact you. All of those practices are going to make you a better, more capable person, whether you're an athlete or not, whether it's about your body or not. I think the benefits of a restorative type practice can really be translated into everything. That's great. Well, as we look to wrap here, if someone listening is already committed to starting a yoga practice, what were the tips that you'd give to some guys who are eager to start and are a little bit overwhelmed about how to start in this world where some of it's online, some of it's in a studio? What would be your two or three tips to those folks who are eager to get going? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think being open to trying is a huge step. So (laughs) be proud of yourself for that. (laughs) And I think wherever you're most comfortable is the best place to start. So one of the silver lining benefits of the pandemic is there is so much more accessibility to this practice in so many different ways. So if you're more comfortable being at home and trying it without a huge class of people around you, you have tons of different options as far as practicing at home. And I would also say try out different styles of practice. Like we touched on, there are so many variations of not only restorative yoga, but every type of yoga. So I really believe there's something for everyone, no matter what you're looking for, what your objectives are, what season of life you're in, there is a type of practice for you. And I really hate the thought of someone trying a class and not resonating with the style or with the teacher or with the space and saying, yoga is not for me. So I would say, give yourself a chance to maybe try out a couple different types of classes, different teachers, different locations, if you can, and just sort of see what resonates with you. I would also say, like we touched on a little bit at the beginning, it's probably not going to be super relaxing (laughs) at the beginning to open up your hips if you haven't done it, you know, ever or much. So give yourself some time to get comfortable and familiar with it. Just like anything, it takes time to practice. And the more consistent you can be with a practice, the more you're going to really feel the impacts of it and be able to get a lasting result. So I would say, try to be consistent if you can. That's great. Don't let your first impression be your only impression. Absolutely. 
By the way, for those who are listening, we're going to be recording a bit of a bonus episode. Chelsea's going to take us through sort of a meditative, restorative, short session. So that'll be available on the podcast. But Chelsea, great to connect with you. Thanks for joining us and sharing all your great perspective, not only in just your yoga practice, in your profession as a teacher, but also specifically working with so many top athletes at the University of Oregon. This has been great to talk about all the great ways you're helping those guys. Yeah, happy to support anybody who's looking at yoga as a potential practice. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining. So I knew you guys would enjoy Chelsea. She just has a ton of experience, a lot of great energy, has so much wisdom around how to use yoga, particularly with athletes in recovery, rehabilitation, learning to manage stress. And she's offered to do an eight to 10 minute body scan You'll find it as a bonus episode on the podcast. It's not just great for relaxation, but learning how to think about how you feel from top to bottom, head to toe, really helps cultivate this awareness. It's another form of connecting your brain to your body. And over time with the yoga practice, things like body scan meditation and any kind of meditation, particularly when you do it intentionally around movement or in a restorative pose, you really start to learn more and know more about your body and you're going to feel that on and off the court. So thanks for listening and check it out. <laughs>